It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis on Sunday the 2nd of December. What a swirly day around the country. It threatened sunshine. There was a little bit of, you know, sweaty bum warmth, I suppose, you'd, you'd, you'd file it under, but nothing more than that. I do hope summer's going to turn up soon. Still, still, it's only day two. Hey, show number 240, I'm so glad you could make it. I really am. I'd love you to be part of the show. And you know what? We're getting on a roll here. We're getting on a roll of giving away absolutely awesome prizes every Sunday night. And I have got a humdinger for you. All you have to do is text 3920 keyword live and answer the question. And I'm going to tell you what the question is about halfway through the show. And you could win a Huawei Mate 20 phone. It's like a $1,200 phone. Top of the line. I've got one. They're awesome. You could win one tonight. Later on, Kate Owen, she's waiting in the wings. She's given me the steely eye through two layers of glass, and it's it's chilling me from there. She's going to join us with uh, all your social media and gaming food stories. There's a real food theme tonight, maybe because it's Christmas. We've got our top Christmas gift pick, well, certainly my top Christmas gift pick, along with that chance to win if you don't, uh, you know, you don't want to buy a Christmas gift, that Huawei Mate 20. First, though, it's 2018 and everything is not as it seems, at least if our guest tonight has anything to do with it. Augmented reality adds computer-generated elements to the world as viewed through the camera of your smartphone. The technology is being used for gaming as well as for more serious applications like engineering and navigation. Stephanie Zolman is at the forefront of this field. She's a Kiwi and she joins us by phone from Japan. Stephanie, uh, kia ora, g'day, konnichiwa. Kia ora, konnichiwa. So, well, first first off, uh, I didn't expect, I thought you were at Otago University. What on earth are you doing in Japan? So I'm currently working uh, together with um, some colleagues at the Tokyo Institute of Technology, and we are working here on a, a project uh, which um, researches uh, smart glasses. Smart glasses. Now, the last two times, well, the last time I pair, saw a pair of smart glasses, and you can tell me if they were smart or not, um, was some uh, snap spectacles, uh, which, which sort of saw the world through a camera and recorded everything, so maybe that wasn't that smart. And before that was Google Glass, which uh, were those creepy little things that made you look like you come from um, from Star Trek, and, and everyone got paranoid because they thought you were recording them. So what are you doing with smart glasses? Um, so we are basically trying to um, make them 
smarter, but um, I think like the prototypes that we are working with, they're still uh, looking kind of creepy. Um, but I think the idea is that um, we are working towards some uh, more natural smart classes. So um, ideally at the end, you would have some smart classes that look more like normal classes that you would um, wear every day. But there's certainly um, still some work to do uh, before we achieve that goal. So smart glasses are a good um, application of what I want to talk to you about, which is augmented reality. So viewing the world and then projected into that view of the world, in your case, through glasses with a, a little built-in projector screen, or for many of us through our smartphone or perhaps some sort of um, hollow lens headset thing. What is augmented reality in general? How would you, would you define it to someone who'd never heard of it? So I think the main idea, if we just um, try to use simple terms, is that we combine digital content with our view of the real world. <laughs> so just imagine that you, for instance, uh, you're just in a, a new town, you're a tourist, and you want to explore some um, yeah, sites there. The idea would be that you could access information like opening hours or navigation information directly um, by looking around. So, for instance, the opening hours would just be displayed on top of your um, view of the, um, the the building that you're interested in. So, in, in that case, you're using all, all that information that is already on the internet, and if you had the time, you could sit down and, 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 and Google it all, uh, but it's displaying it in real time linked to the environment you're in. So, that's, that's the magic <coughs> Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, in, in contrast to virtual environments, you would maybe you would just basically replace every information and you're completely immersed in a virtual environment. With uh, augmented reality, we have the opportunity to really just embed information that is interesting for our current um, work task, for instance, or for our um, current, um, uh, yeah, our current, current life. So a, lo a lot of listeners uh, would have seen perhaps in the last two years, um, crowds of teenagers and preteens clustered around parks and street corners looking at uh, looking at the world through their phones for little, well, here's the Japanese link, little Japanese monsters in Pokemon Go. So that, that's a good example of augmented reality, right? Exactly. I mean, like, it's um, maybe not the, the best example that we have, but I think it's a really good example to explain um, what's happening there. So basically... Those little monsters um, you would directly see um, on top of your view of the real world. Um, while um, we are more working towards an um, application that are maybe a bit more um, meaningful and um, maybe could um, yeah, help people in their everyday tasks, I think still Pokemon Go is a very good example to explain um, how augmented reality is working. Your talk of, uh, you know, looking at a street scene through these glasses and seeing the opening hours of a business re reminds me of a very early augmented reality app, must be six, seven years ago, called Layer, which which said it would do the same thing but didn't didn't quite pull it off. What's Do you remember that? And, and, and if so, what, what's changed? What's changed that means we can, we can do this uh, in a more practical sense now when, you know, they couldn't really do it six years ago? 
So, I mean, I, I think the, the problem with um, all these kind of um, augmented reality browsers, how we call them, uh, like layer, um, is that um, they were still relying on um, sensor data, like um, GPS and um, magnetic sensors in the phones. And as you know, um, yeah, if you're, for instance, in some towns, um, it's very um, inaccurate. Um, so you can't really use the GPS information for um, accessing information that is accurately placed on top of um, certain buildings. So it's still um, yeah, kind of um, having an offset. So the idea, um, what we are doing with our research is how to make this um, yeah, alignment between digital information and our view of the real world more accurate. So this means that we are not only relying on sensor data, but we are also integrating um, information um, from the real world to make this, this kind of information more accurate. So rather than relying on your phone's GPS entirely, the, the application will be looking through your phone going, okay, there's a, a red brick building and it's got a big yellow M on top of it. It's, it's, it's probably a McDonald's. And if I'm in Queen Street, it's the Queen Street McDonald's. And then working from there, is that the sort of thing you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's a good um, explanation. So um, internally, there's there happening more complicated algorithms, but but it's basically a similar idea that you're looking for certain salient or very prominent features in your environment, and you're using them to exactly estimate your location within the real world, which is still a very challenging task. So we talked about layer, which was was several years ago. Uh, we talked and didn't work that well. We talked about Pokemon Go, which worked pretty well, but you didn't think much of. Um, what are some examples of augmented reality in the recent past, which you think are really good uses of the technology? So I think one of my favorite examples um, is um, the IKEA app, because it's an app that I am using myself, um, which I found really useful. So it's basically an, um, an IKEA, yeah, IKEA app that you can place furniture within your apartment, which I found very helpful, for instance, if you want to yeah, um, see how a certain furniture looks in your, um, in your environment. So I think this is a really good application and um, also very useful. And um, besides this, I mean, like I think there are certain measurement applications that are also very nice. So um, I think there are already some applications, but um, the, yeah, the problem here is most of them are working really nice, nicely if they're indoors. So um, as soon as, as we are talking about outdoor applications, this, this is exactly the example that we were using before with um, Leia. Um, it's getting much more complicated and um, and you're trying to estimate uh, how to combine digital content and uh, your view of the real world. So the the beauty of the IKEA app is is that you are generally inside a box. You know, you're inside a room, and it's easy for the app to work out the geometry of the room and and work out where to place things, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's much easier than um, if you're talking about outdoor applications where you have um, dynamics like people are, uh, running around or cars and um, also the environment is usually, the working environment that you're using is usually much bigger. So that makes it much more complicated because your um, application um, scenario is um, yeah, much harder to predict. And, and you don't know um, how far into the into the the landscape that you want to look, and and from how far away you want to necessarily um, get data. I guess we we reviewed the IKEA app on on this show a few weeks ago, and the beauty of it is, you know, that there are two questions you have when you're in a shop, and you're looking at the I don't know the Stromner table or what you know they have those wacky names those IKEA people, and you go the two questions you have will it fit in my room and, you know, will there be room for the, the other furniture and will the colour 
go with the things that I've got. So by placing the furniture in your room in, in augmented reality, you can answer both those questions. Of course, the, the, the question it won't ask is, how do I buy one? And the answer in New Zealand is no. Exactly, that's the main problem. <laughs> so outdoor usage, one of the uh, examples that you've mentioned online at least is, uh, couldn't be further from the, the fun and games of Pokemon Go, is the use of augmented reality in the construction industry. Tell me about that. <coughs> so basically the idea, um, and this was one of the projects that I was working in um, when I was doing my PhD, uh, was about how can we use augmented reality in order to display um, information that is relevant for construction site workers. So just imagine um, in the past people were using a lot of paper plans in order to um, understand uh, the construction plan and um, then later on they moved more towards using mobile um, devices. But still the main problem here is that they have to somehow um, map a 2D plan, which because even if it's on a, a mobile device, it's still a 2D plan or yep. um, maybe a 3D plan if it's uh, very advanced, but you have to still map the spatial information into the actual construction site, which is a very um, mentally demanding task. So the idea of um, our research um, was to re-investigate really if we can display map information or construction plans directly in the uh, field of view of construction site workers. So I, I'm standing there, I, I've got my hard hat on, but attached to my hard hat might be a screen. And when I look at the bare building site through the screen, I can see either the bare building site or I can add the framework of the building or I can add the finished building and I know exactly what I'm dealing with. Is, is that the sort of vision that you have? Exactly. So that's the, the, the main goal or the ultimate uh, goal at the end. So you really want to um, be able, uh, you want to display um, how the building will look like um, once it's finished. But you also want to um, maybe see how the construction site was progressing over time. So what we were doing back then was we were also um, uh, using 3D reconstruction of construction sites. Um, so we were um, making like a snapshot um, every week to just see how the progress is going and then um, displaying this um, information, this 3D model um, uh, on on top of the actual construction site. And this helped construction Three site minutes. managers and workers to understand when problems were happening and how um, problems could be solved. We're talking augmented reality with Otago University researcher Stephanie Zolman. You're listening to Radio Live Sunday Social. Back soon. It's Sunday Social. Everything you need to know about social media with Vaughan Davis. Welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis and on the phone with me from Japan is Otago University augmented reality researcher Stephanie Zolman. Stephanie, welcome back. Thank you. Before the break, we were talking about, I guess, uh, industrial uses of augmented reality and augmented reality, to catch you up if you've just been out having a cup of tea, is projecting or presenting digital information into the real world through, uh, through a screen in your glasses or through your smartphone's camera. So we've talked about the, um, the I guess, the hardworking end of it. Uh, you've mentioned online elsewhere using this technology to enhance the experience of viewing sport. Tell me about that. Exactly. So it is basically a very different idea compared to the um, uh, yeah, serious tasks of construction site workers. So in this um, case, we really are looking more into um, how to 
the use of augmented reality in the context of entertainment. And the idea is that um, if you're just uh, looking into how people are nowadays um, perceiving uh, sports, usually they really like to have additional information like um, that you see in television. For instance, if you talk about cricket, you would um, have access to um, ball uh, paths so you could see exactly where the ball is flying, um, which is often very hard to keep track if you're um, on site and if you're a spectator, which is watching a, a game um, basically live. So the idea is that we um, bring this kind of information um, directly into the field of view of sports spectators. So this would mean that you would also use either your mobile phone or smart glasses and you would see um, like a digital um, representation of the ball path directly embedded onto your field of view. I kind of like that idea because, you know, when I, when I do go along to Eden Park and watch the rugby, it's a great spectacle. There's lots of drinking. There's, um, you know, a, a bowl of chips with um, tomato sauce of indeterminate origin. But the one thing that's hard to really work out is what's happening in the game. So if I was sitting there wearing my smart glasses, I could have as much or as little data over the top of the action as I wanted, right? Exactly. So this is the idea that we are really uh, competing with um, what the television has to offer. So, um, and for instance, I'm more like a, a casual um, yeah, sports spectator. So I'm just going to stadiums um, from time to time. But often the problem that I have is it's very hard for me to keep track what's happening. So who's the player down there? What are they actually doing? And I really enjoy having additional information that helps me to understand the actual game event. Now, the, the reason, uh, the reason we, we set up this chat is you've had some very good news professionally recently, Stephanie, in that you're the 2018 recipient of the L'Oreal UNESCO for Women in Science Fellowship, which is something of a coup, not to mention the, uh, the cash prize. Tell me about that. What is, I, I had never heard of that uh, before today. What is that? So it's, uh, yeah, I, I felt very honored to, to receive this prize. So it's um, uh, very great for me. Um, but I think also in general, it's a very um, a good opportunity for female researchers. So what they're doing is they're supporting um, female scientists. And um, the idea is to just um, bring them a bit more into the attention of um, the general public to show, okay, there are a lot of female researchers doing a great job. And um, supporting them yeah, with um, yeah, uh, recognition, but also um, they're supporting them with uh, money for, that they can use for their research, which is really amazing because, you know, with research, it's often that you have to look for certain fundings and this um, really helps um, yeah, young female researchers to advance their careers. So I think this is very powerful. I know that, uh, you know, female developers, you know, computer programmers are in short supply and certainly, and especially female game developers. How, how is it in the academic world? So, in, you know, in the computer science department, are you, are you unusual in being a woman or is, or is it, you know, close to 50-50? <laughs> So I think it's more on the side um, of unusual. I mean, like there are uh, certainly uh, female scientists and female researchers uh, in computer science, but often um, it's not a um, yeah balanced ratio. So I think what we really want to or need to do is we just need to show some female researchers, and that is 
that this is certainly a um, career path just to motivate more um, female students to um, continue working in research or continue to working in um, uh, the developer um, environment. So for instance, I was also working as a developer before I started at the university. And um, even there, it's often hard to find female um, female colleagues. So I think it's really important that we just uh, show uh, that it is possible and this certainly a very good um, career path, uh, especially if you want to have a family. What, what are the obstacles? What's, you know, the, the, the whole idea of computer science has been going for, for quite some decades and, and indeed some of the, you know, the early pioneers in, in computing and, and, and programming were women and, and all, you know, a lot of these stories are only now just becoming commonplace. But what, what do you ascribe the imbalance to? <laughs> So I, I think this is a very complex um, topic, so I'm not entirely sure. I, I, I think at the end there, there's certainly um, yeah, a lot of different factors coming together, and um, which I think uh, maybe then also starting when um, yeah, computer science was more connected to um, com uh, yeah, gaming and people thought, okay, there's more gaming involved and maybe... Um, and also at, that, at a certain point, uh, people thought, okay, it's more uh, maybe a topic for nerd, uh, nerds or people that are really um, yeah, uh, playing a lot of computer games. So I think um, what's, what's really important is that we just show that this is a, um, yeah, like a normal uh, feed of uh, normal work and uh, normal people are working in this area. So um, just it's just like a job, like every other job. So I think it's um, something that we just need to, to demonstrate. And also um, what, what I was missing usually was um, to have some kind of role models just to show that um, this is um, a career path. So how was it you ended up doing what you're doing, Stephanie? And actually, how did you end up in New Zealand? It's a bit interesting. So I was basically, um, I was always very interested in technology and um, also uh, supported by my family because they were also very much into technology. Um, so this was why I was studying um, computer science at the end. And I, I really loved it. I mean, like, I just thought it's really amazing to be able to tell a computer what to do and, um, yeah, writing programs and just the fulfillment once they are working was very awesome to me all the time. And um, with regards how I ended up in New Zealand, I mean, like, it's, um, I think it's an awesome country. And um, I was visiting New Zealand quite a lot when I was doing my PhD studies in Austria. So um, this was one of the um, facts that, uh, factors that were playing into um, why um, I decided to move to New Zealand. And Dunedin's a bit of a hotspot for these things because clearly you've got some uh, research and augmented reality going on at Otago. Uh, you've got Animation Research, which is the company, if I'm correct, that you, you started at. Is, is there quite a, uh, a, a computer science scene down there? Yeah, I think it's very special for such a small town because there are a lot of um, very innovative um, yeah, companies, a lot of startups, um, some companies that were coming out of university. So I think it's a very, um, yeah, very nice atmosphere for people to work. Also, maybe because the town is a bit smaller and um, there's a lot of um, collaboration going on. I think also for, for us as university, it's now um, great to have the opportunity to work with these um, yeah, industries, um, with small startups, but also bigger um, players. So I think it's just a very, uh, yeah, very quite, uh, great um, working environment. And, and I, from memory, there's a, uh, a not a women only, but a women friendly um, game development company down there too, isn't there? Uh, so uh, trying to remember the name of it. 
No. So now I need to help me. Yeah, no, I can't. It's terrible. I've, I've I've spoken to them on the show before, but uh, anyway, I'm I'm sure I'm sure it'll come to me. I'll uh, I'll tweet it. I'll do the research and tweet it. Uh, okay, great. Yeah. When when our when, so our, when, our, when our chat think, goes to air. So I think there are a lot of um, uh, very friendly, woman-friendly companies and um, yeah, people supporting uh, also women in tech um, down there because we had quite some uh, events that were also organised. Um, and we were able to talk with a lot of um, yeah, female um, school students and just talk about the topics in uh, computer science. And then there's also a very strong scene of female students at the university that are supporting each other. Mm-hmm. So I think there's just in general a very friendly atmosphere down there, yeah. Hey, just just to end on the uh, augmented reality. So if someone's listening at home and they've they've gone all oh, this augmented reality thing sounds interesting. What would you recommend as the, the the simplest and most accessible way for someone to uh, download something and experience augmented reality on on their phone? So I mean, like if it's not uh, an app developer, I would certainly recommend something like. Like the IKEA app to just get an idea how this is working and um, yeah uh, this is maybe a good idea um, and then you know if you're an app developer or if you're just you know interested in getting started with a bit of programming I think certainly um, working with something like the AR kit or AR core is a very good starting point. But in the meantime for the rest of us the IKEA app and the and you just need to swallow your disappointment when you can't actually buy that couch. Hey Stephanie Zolman uh, researching augmented reality at Otago University and uh, current winner of the L'Oreal UNESCO for Women in Science Fellowship. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And you can listen back to that whole entire interview at radiolive.co.nz under shows and Sunday Social. And, of course, we're a podcast. You might even be listening right now in the distant future to the podcast from way back in 2018. After the break, Kate Owen with the social media and app goodness you just need to know, plus your chance to win, win that Huawei Mate 20. Back soon. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. And welcome back to Sunday Social with you right through until 8 o'clock when Graham Hill takes over the weekend variety wireless. A very big welcome to the studio. I'm talking slowly, so, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute why I'm talking slowly, but Kate, well, Kate Owen, welcome. Hi. <laughs> One syllable. One syllable is all you can do. Uh, Kate Owen, um, mistress of all things uh, social and digital oh, here, here at, uh, I was going to say master, but it's inappropriately gendered, at, uh, at MediaWorks for, uh, for quite some time in various guises. How's your week been? Good. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry about this. We got 15 seconds to on air and I'd just taken a great big mouthful of McFlurry. Should we talk about that first? Let's talk about McFlurry. Because, because it's suddenly topical. Um, I, I said I said in the show setup we're going to talk a lot about um, food, and uh, the first one you you came up with this, but I'd also been having a bit poking my little nosy into it is a uh, a collab between um, Uber Eats and McDonald's. Hmm. I first saw this on your timeline on your Twitter oh, feed. Did you? Mm, that's how I heard about it. Oh my god, I influenced you. Oh gosh. Okay. Yes, you did. But that's the only time I'm ever going to say that. So maybe record this down and. Keep it as my ringtone. Yep. Uh, but basically, McDonald's and Uber Eats have teamed up to have an exclusive cookie time McFlurry delivered to you only through Uber Eats only, I say in quotation marks, but because... Because you hacked it. I maybe went through the drive through and said, you know that Uber Eats McFlurry, can I just have one of those? And they gave me one. 
and you, you put on the handbrake, took out the, the keys out of ignition, said, I'm not moving till I've got my cookie time McFlurry. It's a better story than the one I told, so let's go with your version. Yep. I, I mean, I, I, we, we just had some. I love them. I, I think they're rather lovely, rather tasty. I like it. But you prefer the M&M one. Oh, I'm all about the M&M McFlurry. I, I, I think being a, uh, being a brand manager at a um, New Zealand food company really is just going, what other New Zealand food can I add to my current food? Oh, you know, let, let's, yeah, let's New Zealand have, branded food is where it's at. Yeah, let's, yeah. I, I saw, um, fascinatingly, uh, Halatau, the beer, Auckland beer brand, has come out with a Kellogg's Crunchy Nut beer. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, I've heard about this. Um, and, which is which is by all accounts a hit, but uh, some of them not so good. The, there was the, uh, oh, the L&P chocolate, that was awful. It tastes yeah, no. like Jif. Bless Whitakers, they give things a good go, but um, yeah, it but was they, not one of their finer you moments. You think they'd know before they made, you know, half a million bars and shipped it to the shops that it didn't taste very nice. Well, maybe the people who tried it, you know. Well, maybe they were too scared. Maybe they were too scared to say they didn't like it because they'd been twenty. They'd been given a twenty dollar voucher at the at the uh, at the research session. <laughs> yes, it's delicious. Five <laughs> out of five. Give me, oh, give me dear. my, give me my Westfield voucher. Hey, speaking of giving, giving things, uh, we need to give away a phone. We need to give away. And you know, we've given away something like the last three or four shows. Have you? It's been all go, all uh, go. Of course I know, uh, yes. Yeah, you do, yep. you do. No. Couple, yep. um, two or three phones we've given away. Um, last week was tickets to this amazing air and space uh, show at Motat. Which, oh, that you sounds know, up your alley. It is totally up my alley. I absolutely loved it. But this week, the Huawei Mate 20. Now, the um, Huawei phones have been getting a lot of publicity recently, as, as have the network uh, infrastructure, but that's a whole other story. Oh. I've got one of these. Uh, honestly, I would say for the money, and this thing's $1,199, the Huawei Mate 20, uh, for the money, you'd be nuts to buy an iPhone, I think. Bold claim, but... Yeah, they're extremely competitively priced. And yeah. when you look at the technology in it, especially the camera technology, I know we've talked about this before, yeah. um, but they really have you know, the the best cameras in the market on a smartphone. Yep, so the, the, the cameras are from Leica, which is the German uh, lens and camera manufacturing that's been doing it since the 20s, I think. Mm. Uh, and honestly, they the selfies make me look good. Mm, I was going to say make me look good. They don't make me look, they don't make me look bad. They don't make me look bad. Look, they're AI um, powered as well. So um, there's learning in them that, that will actually find your angles for you and help Help make you well, the, the thing I like the best is it knows what it's taking a photo of and adjusts things accordingly. Mm. So when you point your, your photo at a dog, which I do quite a lot, mm -hmm. my photos are my aeroplane, my dog and me. That's Good. pretty much it. Sometimes and all... McFlurries. Yeah, and McFlurries. And McFlurries. Uh, ne never all three. Uh, it, but the, the phone goes, oh, that's a dog. And it says dog. It knows it's a dog. Mm. And, and then just adjusts things accordingly. So... Long story short, I want to give one away to you. And what you need to do to go in the drawer is text me 3920 keyword live with your first name, your hometown, because I do not want to give one to anyone from Ashburton. And someone, oh, Saskia te Technical Producer says, give us your address right now, because that'll, that'll save us the malarkey. Give us, give us your mailing address as well. And, and if your thumbs haven't fallen off uh, at that point, who you would like that phone to go to because it's Christmas and it's all about the giving. I, if I have to, I'll give it to you, the listener, but I would much, much rather give it to you to give to someone else. So if you know someone deserving of a very, very good Android phone, the Huawei Mate 20, let me know. 3920 keyword live, your name, your hometown, your uh, mailing address and 
who and why you'd like it to go to. I'm not going to read out the name of the person on air, but uh, I might pick up uh, on, on aspects of the story. So go mad, and uh, and we'll we'll draw that very scientifically between now and the end of the show. Um, speaking of food, Kate, mm. this is one of these stories that um, just five years ago you would have gone, what, huh? What are you talking about? Uh, Fortnite the immersive sort of uh, multiplayer video game that this is where your 14-year-old boy is right now mm -hmm. um, has been kind of punked by Wendy's. I love this story. Yeah, so Wendy, I, I love Wendy's burgers. I think mm. they're really good. Hashtag not spawn. No, not spawn, mm. not spawn at all, but uh, I think they're pretty good. Look, um, for those of you who don't know, yes, Fortnite is the battle royale game that has kind of taken the world by storm this year. And uh, and within that game, of that virtual battle kind of royale with cheese. Oh, oh, yes, I see what you did there. Yeah, mashing up. Um, anyway, reeling it back in. Uh, so within this uh, kind of immersive game, there are a couple of fast food joints, a burger joint and a pizza joint. And Fortnite wanted to know which was better, the pizza joint or the burger joint. And so, so far, so good. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so Wendy's decided to get amongst and uh, and threw their weight behind the pizza joint, saying that the burger joint had these great big freezers full of meat. And as you as a ad guy and probably the rest of us know, uh, Wendy's is all about having fresh, not frozen. Always fresh, meat. never frozen. <clears throat> so what they did was they made a little character that looks like Wendy and uh, put her in the game and she goes about smashing up all the freezers of meat. <laughs> yeah, destroying Wendy. the... Um, destroying the old uh, burger joint and they're streaming it and literally thousands of people are sitting there watching this um, this girl caricature going and smashing up freezers of meat. I think it's absolutely awesome. I, I, I love, there's sort of a tradition uh, evolving of um, marketing people in fast food companies doing really interesting digital things. My favourite of all time, because it was so cool and so below the radar, was when the uh, KFC account, the KFC Twitter account in the United States, followed only <laughs> 15 yes. people. They followed 11 people whose name were Herb and four Spice Girls. It was good. I thought that was yeah. 11 Herbs and Spices. Yeah. I thought that was absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, so uh, if, you, if, you're on, uh, if you're on Fortnite, uh, in between trying to shoot everyone else in the world and become the last person standing of the 100 you started the game with, keep an eye out for um, Smashy Wendy. Mm. Isn't that peak 2018? <coughs> Haven't we reached it? We really, really have. Hey, um, Facebook Watch, you wanted to talk about this, and I'm glad you do, because I don't quite get it. I, I see occasionally, and, this, and tell me if this is the same thing, I'll see a little message saying, um, Kate's having a watch party, join in. Uh, and I go, what's a watch party? <laughs> Sounds a bit naff, doesn't and, it? And why do I want to be watching some video on Facebook at the same time as Kate is somewhere else in the world? What is the point? But the big story is Facebook is continuing its push into video. Tell me about that. Mm. So imagine Netflix or Lightbox, but you're watching it with your friends digitally. So entire episodes of TV shows are now going up onto Facebook Watch yep. and you can watch them with your friends essentially, wherever you are. So um, they've just uploaded all the, the episodes of Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. So if you're, um, you know, you were into that back in the 90s, early noughties, um, that's all up onto Facebook Watch now. Although I tried to give it a watch and it doesn't seem to work in New Zealand, which is disappointing. Like so many things. But let's just say I wanted to watch season one, episode one, and I thought, Vaughn all like this, I can start playing it and then invite you to join me digitally. And we can watch it together and chat and 
all those good things. So we, we can chat in the same way that you chat under a Facebook Live video stream. So you, I mm -hmm. chat, you chat, and little little messages come up and go, yeah. what is she wearing, and, and so on. In the same way, if you ever jump on Twitter when uh, reality TV shows going and you look at the hashtag and there's people all chatting to each other, it's a very similar kind of concept. Yeah, they're trying to capture that. And, mm. and I, I don't know, I, th I think that, and you've been deeply involved with the sort of stuff here at MediaWorks when there'll be one of those blockbuster shows. And Kate, Back sometimes, in the day. sometimes they're on Sunday night at 7 o'clock, breaks yeah. my heart, uh, and you'll have thousands of people hundreds of thousands of people around New Zealand all on that same virtual digital couch. Even if they're alone at home, they're, they're in that yeah. same big conversation. It's quite cool. Yeah, for about five years that was my job. My job was to get people talking specifically about TV shows, New Zealand TV shows, with each other in real time. So watch it play out live, talk to your mates about it, talk to strangers about it, and uh, find the most hilarious hot takes going, um, which was, it was a lot of fun to do. And now Facebook's trying to do that in a sort of a micro slice way, I guess, get it down. Well, and of course what they're trying to do is get, you know, influential Kate to say, hey, we should all watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 20 people who are a bit like Kate will be watching it and every seven or eight minutes there'll be an ad. Yeah, and good old Facebook, you know, they're collecting that data. So who knows what they glean from me watching you know? Well, here, here's what's probably happened because they, they know which they know that you're you're sitting on the couch watching this Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mark Zuckerberg is climbing through your bedroom window and stealing your, your precious oh. things. That's that's what it is. That's what it is. It's uh, it's it's just a whole burglary scam. That's the end game. Hey, this one, this last food thing, this last food thing for the break because it's it's dinner time and all we've had is McFlurries. We've had our, our dessert first, which is a little bit backwards. Um, I, I, I read this story about uh, online reviews and the negative impact of online reviews, but it's not what you think. So this is a guy in the States who um, is a food critic, a guy by the name of Kevin Alexander. He embarked upon a noble quest. He thought he'd go all around the States and identify the best burger. So far, so good? Mm -hmm. Love it. Uh, he found himself in um, Portland, Portland, Oregon, which is like hipster central, and reckoned he'd found it. A place called Sandwiches. It's been there since 1949. The burgers are awesome, and he said so. And that was the worst thing that ever happened to that place. Because this was just this humble neighbourhood bar oh. that did these cheeseburgers, and they're really, really, really good cheeseburgers. And all of a sudden, boom, it was ground zero for burger hipsters. And within a year, the place was completely out of business. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they collapsed under the pressure. The locals abandoned them. The, the staff hated it. Everyone hated it. People started uh, putting out bad reviews whenever it wasn't absolutely, absolutely, absolutely perfect. So aim for mediocrity, that's Aim for mediocrity, yeah. yeah. I'm down with that. Yeah, aim for mediocrity. <laughs> or, or, or if you find something really, 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 really good, don't talk about it. Well, maybe tell your, your treasured few. Your treasured 15,000 closest Twitter friends. <laughs> I, I did that this week and... and uh, we well, all ordered McFlurries. Yeah. Well, no, not the McFlurry, not the McFlurry. Uh, Aucklanders, this is this is the, the foodie lowdown. Um, the, the show is deviating a little bit from social media because I'm really hungry. Mm. But uh, my office is on K Road and... Is it now? It is now. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, yes. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know how to take that. Um, and in the food hall, a, a new burger bar has popped up. Uh-oh. Yeah. It's called Sneaky Snacky and I'm going to tell you what it serves. Mm. Donut burgers. Stop it. Donut burgers. Oh. So at Sneaky Snacky, you can buy you can buy the uh, glazed donut wagyu beef and kimchi burger. With a side of diabetes. Yep. Yeah. No, actually with a side of MSG fries, and they proudly say that they are MSG fries. 
So the glaze, you've got the glazed donut mm -hmm. with the wagyu beef and kimchi. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, this, the ghost of this cow is going, well, I was fed grain and massaged in a store for six years for this. And you can also order the, uh, the poppy seed donut uh, spicy chicken burger, and they are heaven on a bun. And now they're going to collapse under the weight of all the people who go mm. there on my recommendation. After the break, the apps, websites and social media goodness you just cannot do without. And don't forget, 3920 Keyword Live and all that other stuff if you want to win the Huawei Mate 20. Back so It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis on Radio Live. Indeed, don't worry, be happy. There's a bazillion apps out there. Most of them are rubbish. Lucky for you people, Kate Owen and I have spent the entire week when we should have been working going through the app stores and finding the good ones, haven't we? Yes. Yes. That is exactly what happened. I heartily endorse this, <laughs> this, this, this statement or assertion. No, we have. We've got some good apps. We've got some good apps. There are some bad apps out there. There are some bad apps out there, but uh, we've got the good ones. Hey, I've got a good website, though, to start with. Mm. Um... Do you ever wake up? Yes, most days. Yep. Kate, mm. comma, Kate. Sorry, yes. And this is just a pause. Okay. And do you ever wake up and wonder if it's Christmas yet? Most days, yep. Well, luckily, there's a website for you. Excellent. I love websites that do just one thing. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of websites, they try and boil the ocean, but this website does just one thing. Mm. So the website is called... And you might want to write this down at home. Mm. Uh, isitchristmas.com. Isitchristmas.com. There's some backslashes and Not things, sure but we don't, even, we don't even yeah. talk about the backslashes these mm. days. Isitchristmas.com. So you can visit the site on any device. So a you know a Huawei uh, Mate 20, which you could win. Keep texting. Uh, keep on texting in. Um, or you could view it on a laptop. You could view it on a tablet. You can view it 24 hours a day, and it will tell you. Are you looking at it now, Kate? I'm just looking it up because I want to know if it's Christmas. You want to know if it's Christmas? Is it Christmas.com? Is it loading? Is it loading? Is it loading? Is it loading? Well, there's obviously a lot of people trying to work out if it's Christmas. Or yeah, because there's, there's a bit of uh, buffering, a bit of buffering okay. and congestion. Well, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the, uh, the the spoiler. Yeah. It just says yes or no. All it says on this website is yes or no, and today it's going to say no. Is it Christmas.com? Hmm. Good to know. <laughs> don't, um, don't go to isitchristmasyet.com. Uh, oh, did you, no, that's uh, not, Oh, is that bad? It's real bad. What's just, on there? No, okay. No, just don't do it. We won't talk about just it on the radio. It. Okay. So is Um So from the, from the silly to the simple, and I really, really love this next website. You probably had heard of this before I did because you're far more digitally versed than me. It's called Simple Wikipedia. Oh, yes. <coughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we all, good. I mean, I've known forever that, you know, Wikipedia is available in lots of different languages. But what I didn't know is one of the language options is Simple English. And it's so good. It's brilliant. I, I, I went there, I, I was looking for some, you know, Wikipedia result and I ended up at a particular um, page and I thought there's something strange about this couldn't quite put my finger on it and it turned out that the page was in was in simple, simple English, English. Hmm. so 
just go to simple.wikipedia.org and you'll get the same stuff as you get on Wikipedia, except a much, much more limited vocabulary. So if you're, uh, this is, if you're a young child, you want to get a young child using it, or English is your second or other language, it's mm -hmm. absolutely brilliant and clever. Mm. Or, like me, you just don't like going down wormholes of well, what does that word mean, and then what does that word mean, and then that ends on some random Wikipedia page. Although that's, you know, a good Saturday some days. Well, very true, because the... Um, the, the, the thing about this is it actually has also a slightly lower number of pages than mm. normal Wikipedia. So I, I, read, I read the number and it was 141,000. So Simple Wikipedia's got 141,000 articles. And I thought, is that much? Or is that, uh, you know, a, a, a really small number? Main Wikipedia has 5.7 million. Mm. That's a bit bigger. Um, but Encyclopedia Britannica... This, and, and, and we used to think that this was the be and all and end all. Only had forty thousand. Stop it, really? Forty thousand articles. Encyclopedia wow. Britannica, you know, the print edition, forty thousand articles. So simple.wikipedia.com has one hundred and forty-one thousand articles. That's more than enough for anybody, surely. Yeah, it's can, good. It is. It's very yeah. good. I think. I think it's, 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 it's really, really, really clever. Now I've got time for one app. I think which one we're going to talk about. Well, do you want to do an app or a Christmas gift pick? Oh, do a Christmas gift pick. Okay, because yep. I'm on the AM show tomorrow morning talking about Christmas gift Ooh, picks. Look at you. I know, Fancy. I'm a Christmas gift pick guy. And they, they were saying, well, what are your, what are your tech um, Christmas gift recommendations? And I said um, a Chromecast, Google Chromecast. It's good. I yep. am a huge fan of Google Chromecast. For just $69, you can turn your ordinary TV into a very, very fancy TV. You can stream anything from your laptop, phone or tablet, including isitchristmas.com, uh, mm. uh, onto your TV. It's awesome. I think it's the best gift mm. ever. What, what, what would you give me if you had $69 to give to spend? <clears throat> I'm putting you on the spot here. Uh, I mean, probably, you know, 12 McFlurries. 12? But oh, yeah. Like one for each day of Christmas. Maybe that. But I'd definitely get you onto the M&M ones as well. Mm. The M&M McFlurries. That's the one. Very good. Hey, um, so I'm looking at all the entries from the people who wanted to win the uh, Huawei, Huawei Mate 20, which is a very, very good phone, not just because it's a free phone that's normally worth $1,299. And I am going to give this, we're going to give this to Godfrey. You weren't going to say the name. Yes, I was. Just not the name of the person oh, in the story. Good call. Okay. You can't, you can't not say the name, then people don't know the point. Um, Godfrey's partner has just graduated as a paramedic, and she is an awesome mother and Aww. partner. She deserves a Huawei Mate 20 for Christmas. Uh, Godfrey is from Henderson, and uh, awesome. God knows they need, some, uh, they need some happiness in their lives out there, don't they? I'm from there. You need some... <laughs> And my brother's a paramedic. Look, they are, paramedics are good people all the time in the world for them. So yeah, well, that, that's mainly awesome. that's mainly why I chose it. So, so Godfrey, uh, we've got your address. Uh, that phone is going to be on its way to you this week, and that makes me very happy that it's going to your wife who has just graduated as a paramedic. Hey, thank you so much, Kate, for uh, joining me on the show tonight. It's, it's always a pleasure. a pleasure. I like it when we're a little bit loosey goosey. Yes, well, it's funny you should say that. Did I just you? tweeted it. Oh, it was you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at my, my messages here, and someone says, "Oh man, we are loosey goosey tonight." I thought that was a. Uh, I thought that was a listener. Well, yes, at Kate Owen is a listener. Yeah, at Kate, well, you, you could be a listener to the podcast in the future. Indeed. Uh, thank you so much, Kate, for joining me. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, and thanks I, for the McFlurry. You're Appreciate welcome. It. I always feel like a fraud having you on the show because you know way Stop more it. about Stop this it. stuff than I do.